Hello, Spider-Dan here of the Spider-Dan and the Secret Balls podcast. Just wanted to give you a quick introduction on what I do and why you should check it out. My main mission for the podcast is to spotlight the best-kept secrets in entertainment that a mainstream audience may find boring. I cover these topics in various different formats, including Secret Defenders, where I challenge my guests to defend their favourite films that are underrated, obscure or infamous. Or Clone Balls, where we compare similar pieces of media and see which one will be crowned the victor. And Secret Ball Stories, where we compile a top five list in high fidelity fashion. I have various guests from all walks of life, including friends, family, comic book professionals and actors, while also doing the odd solo podcast and Patreon YouTube video here and there. If you like entertaining and informative discussions and are sick of content creators covering the same old MCU and Netflix programming, take a walk on the wild and the weird side by joining the Protalion. Swing over to spiderdanandthesecretballs.com for all the information you may need, such as links to the podcast, social media accounts, and how you can support the podcast. That's spiderdanandthesecretballs.com. That's B-O-R-E-S. Thanks for joining me, and as always, prepare for prattle. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of She-Hulk Podcast at Large. I'm your host, Tanya Todd, here with my co-host, the amazing Spider-Dan. Thank you, Tanya. I am very excited to start this journey with you and sharing this wonderful experience with all these other uh, Earth's mightiest podcasters, as I like to call them. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So for the next nine weeks, we will guide you through discussions about the new Marvel series, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, the good, the bad, and the green. To do this, we've invited an array of incredible guests to share their thoughts with us. But before we get to today's guests, I'd like to give a special thanks to Mike Burton of Genuine Chit Chat and Tony Farina of Indie Comics Spotlight for all of their generous production assistance behind the scenes. And of course, big thank you to Dave and the Comics in Motion team for sharing your platform and inviting us into your space. Dan, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you summed it up perfectly, Tonya. You're doing a much better job than I already. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. <laughs> well, our first guest is Ada, who is no stranger to Comics in Motion. She joined Rhea and me for Ms. Marvel Musings, and she just recorded a show with Mike Burton, and I believe you spoke with Tony first, didn't you? It's true. My first comics in motion experience was talking saga with Tony on Indie Comics Spotlight months ago. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? I'd love to. My name's Ada McCartney. I'm a teacher, artist, poet. Um, I have had uh, several careers and what do I do? Um, I 
like to read a lot and talk about what I read and watch, watch a lot of TV, um, write books sometimes. I'll leave it at that. And I know Cameron through the acting community here in Las Vegas. We shared an acting class for a while and we actually starred in New Normal together. Introduce yourself and tell us what you do, Cameron. Well, hello, hello. My name is Cameron Tricasi. I am an actor, artist, currently in progress of being a writer, but I don't consider myself one until I've actually finished something. So, but yeah, comic book fan for as long as I've been breathing since I got introduced to Spider-Man via the PS1 video game from my older brother. So always kind of been in and around the comic scene as well. Very, very excited to talk about this stuff. So why don't you tell us your history with She-Hulk in particular? So with She-Hulk, it's funny because I discovered She-Hulk. We talked about being a gamer before we started. My first introduction to She-Hulk was actually almost fell off my chair playing uh, Marvel versus Capcom 3 for the PlayStation 3, which was actually her debut in a video game, uh, to my knowledge, on any like modern console. But like she was one of the main characters I played as, which led to me kind of looking around at comics had a lapse where I wasn't reading anything. And then I got to reading a bit about She-Hulk and then this started happening. So this show showed up and it's like, awesome. Quick way to kind of learn about the character. How about you, Ada? Um, I'm brand new to She-Hulk. I What little I do know um, is based on a little bit of Wikipedia and some great conversations with my partner who knows a lot more than I do about the Marvel universe at large. Um, so I got a little bit of school and Bruce Banner hit the Hulk history last night as we were watching. Um, and I think my my introduction to She-Hulk is this show. Really. That'll be fun to see what, you, what your thoughts are after it finishes. And I believe you and your partner are going to be on another episode, just him giving us his feedback since he's so much more knowledgeable and you giving us an update on what your thoughts are so far i can't wait i'm i'm into it so far i have a lot of, i have a lot more questions than like formulated theories at the moment i think okay how about you down what's your history and i believe you also have a a brief history of she hulk in the comics to share with us as well i do that is my area of expertise is uh, random and obscure comic book trivia uh, when i probably should have mathematics english and all those other wonderful skills uh, that other people have but i can uh, i can say that i think I don't know exactly when I was probably introduced to she No, I do. No, actually, I do. I take that back. Mm -hmm. So there was an animated series in the mid to late kind of 90s, and She-Hulk was introduced in that uh, as, you know, and you get the kind of typical origin of the blood transfusion. Bruce Banner gives her a blood transfusion to save her life and becomes She-Hulk and has is a bit more fun, freewheeling, and again, has control over her transformations uh, a bit more. Um, and then I think I read like Secret Wars and, and out of that storyline, she actually joined the Fantastic Four. She was a member of the Avengers first, but then she replaced the fan favorite thing in the Fantastic <laughs> Four, which was a little controversial, I think, at the time, uh, given the amount of love the thing has as a character and is one of my favorite characters. However, she became the star of that book and she has such a uh, an interesting kind of 
story throughout the unit the marvel universe and where she's where she began and where she's come from so i'll talk a little bit about that before we go into the show itself so uh marvel always loves getting uh stanley in particular likes getting uh into if he hears of a fad or a movement or something that's popular he's going to jump on it so you know he jumped on the uh black exploitation uh uh kind of genre film he created they got things created characters created like luke cage uh the falcon and all those kind of characters even uh even when there was the satanic panic he was like right let's get some son of satan and ghost rider out there um so when and the second wave feminism was was kicking off they were like right well we can bring in new readers this way so let's let's jump on this so we had uh, titles like Ms. Marvel, we had titles like She-Hulk, uh, Dazzler, Sheena the She-Devil, The Cat, all these all these comic book stories that were introduced and initially written by women, but unfortunately that didn't last very long and they probably due to the kind of problems that are, you know, women in those creative avenues were experiencing at that time. Um, and I think the, the strength of those characters actually work better when they're not just a a kind of derivative of their male counterparts when they grow and become their own individual characters and those key differences like Spider-Woman, for example, has absolutely nothing to do with Spider-Man other than the name. And I think that is a, a good thing for that character. But, uh, but yeah, She-Hulk was actually one of the last characters that Stan Lee actually created for Marvel which is interesting. And, and this was in the early 80s. So we're coming to the end of that kind of 70s boom of these uh, female characters coming into Marvel. And and again, I will be honest, Stan Lee can't write women. <laughs> I love Stan Lee. <laughs> I love Stan Lee to bits, but he can't write women to save his life. I honestly, every time I read like a those early 60s stories i'm like jesus christ these have not aged well there's a there's a line by reed richards when he's speaking to sue storm and he's like women shouldn't be heard they should be kissed and i'm like wow that does not age very well at all um so with she hulk it was interesting that but now we know why she's so into perhaps other avenues <laughs> certainly certainly um yeah so the that first issue that he wrote i read actually re quite recently and the first line out of bruce banner's mouth is oh do you need help with those books jennifer they seem a bit heavy and i was like oh oh this is going to be a rough ride so the first issue of savage she hulk was not the best um but we get the kind of blood transfusion she gets shot up by some gangsters she's trying to prosecute uh bruce has to give her a blood transfusion to save her life and in resulting creates the savage she hulk uh, and then I believe her dad becomes her kind of General Ross and is chasing her down because she thinks she's a monster and can't be controlled and that sort of thing. Um, and again, the the further she goes on, the more of a character she becomes. And and again, you get more of those kind of feminist stories coming through and those feminist themes uh, coming through. And also a lot more humor. Like she's she's a Hulk that's quite funny, like quite charming, which is unusual to the you know the masculine kind of male ego kind of and male rage that that the hulk represents and uh, i think uh, she's a wonderful character she's light she's bubbly she's fun she's intelligent she you know she uses her brain unlike the hulk in most situations and she's very successful as jennifer and she's very successful as she hulk and i think she's a she's a wonderful character and i think this show exemplifies all of her best parts 
Very nice. Thank you for that. My pleasure. Now, Cameron has agreed to give a synopsis of this week's episode. Take it away, Cameron. I will do my best. So this starts off actually in a pretty fun note, which is kind of starting on the lawyer drama aspect of She-Hulk, both from the comics and kind of taking on the lawyer show in a bit of a meta way where we get to see her kind of getting ready for a case and even walking out and acknowledging, hey, this is a lawyer show, but I think you're curious about the other thing. And then we get to flashback. We see this version of the blood transfusion where they are confronted by a ship. And I think I know what origin of that is, but we'll wait till we go into detail discussion for that. They get run off the road. She gets cut as Bruce Banner gets cut. Blood ends up in her vein and she becomes a very big lady. Then through there, we get to see her have her first real like Hulk transformation on screen when a couple of dudes decide to be what any couple of dudes always are in TV shows and movies when they're at a bar, which is douchebags. She hulks out and unfortunately we do not get to see them get punched like Thor did in Avengers. And we get a really, really fun uh, time with Hulk kind of teaching Jen how to be Hulk and her obviously battling back at him because she doesn't want to be a Hulk. Leading into the first attorney at law she Hulk scene at the end, which is lovely so what do we all think about the origin story presented in this series i want to know why it's a skidding why it's running your car into a spaceship versus gangsters shooting her up in a trial gangsters shooting her up in a trial sounds way and like intentional blood transfusion sounds Mm -hmm. more interesting to me agreed or more believable I can at least speak from the fact that this show is actually including a lot of indirect references and tonal references to the uh, Ed Norton 2008 Hulk movie in the way that like the accidental blood transfusion was actually a thematic element in that movie and was actually how we were supposed to be getting Thunderbolt Ross as the Red Hulk. Like they even hinted at that in Civil War of Ross, him having a heart attack, which would have come from him drinking Banner's blood on accident due to a trans to his blood ending up in like a drink line in that movie, I think it was. But then um, as for the ship, that is something from Thor Ragnarok. That's one of the ships that from the, I forget the name of the world, but the that Grand Master. Yeah, from Zakar. So it's a Sakarian ship. So it seems like they're following up on the uh, World War Hulk plot line that they introduced a little bit in Thor Ragnarok. But it still, to me, takes away from Jennifer's story by inserting this Hulk aspect and then making it so comically silly, like, oh, whoops, blood is just going everywhere. It's just not that easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm in no way defending it. It's a very odd way to go about what could be a pretty simple thing, especially because you have the car accident. And I almost feel like you could have done the intentional blood transfusion off of the car accident. Exactly. As opposed to like, anything else and you could even have him take her to the facility in mexico if you want to because yeah i imagine he probably had a lot of medical stuff there if he's trying to merge hulk and banner so like i feel like there was there was ways to meld what they were trying to insert with the original comics origin for sure Uh, and i I still think they should have taken some element of the people who don't want her to succeed being responsible Mm -hmm. for her needing the blood 
transfusion to begin with. So it ties into her career. I'm sorry, Dan, what were you saying? No, it's okay. Um, I I agree. Um, but I think what they're trying to do is to, because in a way, him giving radioactive blood to his cousin is arguably a little reckless as well. Like there's there's a lot of kind of um, like the Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man two. He doesn't want to give the blood because he doesn't know what will happen or what will mm-hmm. you know. The, it could be worse than death or you know infection or what have you. So I think maybe there's there's they're trying to offset that he's to blame for the situation. Maybe that he is actively the person who did this to her. A man did. So this they're to making her. it her fault. <laughs> it seems no, not, more like not, a it seems more like fault. a circumstantial thing now yeah. as opposed to uh anything with someone to blame immediately. Mm. Yeah. Cuz I, I yeah, I I kind of agree with the the spaceship was a bit of a left field choice. Um, es- you know, especially since it doesn't seem to have pursued them at all <laughs> after <laughs> no, night. Make sure they're okay in the, in the accident. Right. It's just like here after, we are like, bamfing into the road like nightcrawler. It's just oh man, they went off the road. Uh, we'll catch up with them at some other time. Exactly. <laughs> I really, I really hope it's, I really hope it's Jeff Goldblum's Grandmaster flying that ship because that would make sense of him just being like, oh, well, that's unfortunate, and then just leaving. If it's anyone other than the Grandmaster, <laughs> I do not know why they did not pursue them at all. Is they kind of like, they kind of like, yeah. Anyway, the 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 spaceship, but you're a Hulk now. Anyway, you're a Hulk. You know, right? Let's, yeah. Let's like, look at just... this. Look, erase all that like sweep all of that under the carpet let's not pay attention to that big spaceship that just happened forget about that whoops with the blood (laughs) which i do think the oh my bad go ahead i was just gonna say which is interesting given the like moment at the beginning where she's like oh i bet you're curious about this thing let's dig into it right i don't know (laughs) I do think, though, that it did at least lead to a funny line that felt more worldly, and that's when she mentioned the spaceship to Bruce, and he just went, yeah, Sakarian transport ship I'll, ship, I'll deal with that later. Like, just how casual Bruce has to deal with the fact that a spaceship is on Earth, because it's happened so many times to Earth at this point in this world that is the MCU, that seeing Bruce just kind of casually be like, yeah, I'm, I'm figuring that out later. Right now, and we it- have to deal with this. <laughs> Yeah, it feels a lot more natural to have, like, a lot of Bruce's dialogue to me feels more natural to the world that the MCU is in right now, because that was kind of the issue that I had watching things like Moon Knight and other shows where, like, they try to still treat some things that are weird as if it's, like, this grand, amazing thing, and it's like, you guys have had Thanos show up on the planet twice with literal railroad spike spaceships. Some of the people involved are going to be a bit desensitized to this stuff. right. We we have to remember as well. I think Tonya shared a meme on our uh, comics in motion Discord group, and it's that that like there's been three or four films now and a couple of TV shows, and no one is still talking about the space god <laughs> that's sticking out of the planet. Yeah, the the gigantic c- celestial that's half out of the planet, like a like friggin' Sandman. Whenever he loses to Spider Man, just no. It's yeah. just a you're talking about the thing the from the Eternals, the right? I, I don't. That's right. I don't know if that was me. I don't even remember. <laughs> it may. It may have been. It may have been. Yeah, the celestial just kind of uh, sticking out, just kind of half formed, and and again, that would cause absolute havoc with you know all sorts of things, natural, you know, airlines, you name it. Like it's, it's going to cause right, you know, ozone layer. Sure, this I'm sure the atmosphere, whatever. It's, <laughs> 
it's gonna we'll deal be with that later gravity yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the bruce banner hand waving oh we'll we'll, we'll look at that right, later. we'll just deal with that later <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one was not me. So, you know, apologies to whatever whatever member should be credited with that. <laughs> I'm curious as to what you guys think of how they decided to handle the sort of Hulk training montage, if you could call it that, like the whole training aspects and her kind of getting into why she can control her rage and stuff. I'll hold my opinions on stuff until like I get until you guys answer. I'm just interested to see what everyone else thinks of how they handled all that. <laughs> In general, I dislike when someone gets their powers and immediately knows how to use them. So I like that they at least included some type of training. Like they had something happen. So I appreciate the effort there. Far more effort than the blood transfusion. <laughs> how about you, Ada? Um, I found it comedic. I found it amusing. I thought she had some great quips about like, yeah, I'm a woman. I This is just like, I'm used to integrating rage. Um, stifling it on a daily basis in front of people yeah yeah i appreciated that i was along for the journey um at the sort of i don't know i thought i thought there could have been less of it and more getting into the show i and i i don't know i also liked i don't know i kind of liked the dialectical behavior therapy moments as i'm thinking about it there are more and more like gems and lines that i really kind of mm -hmm. liked in that training sequence and i also thought it was kind of fun to have like conversational hulk sort of having having the zen moment having like the smart hulk smug hulk tete-a-tete um i enjoyed their family fight quite a bit um maybe more than i yeah more than i expected to um so overall, overall, I think I liked it. What did you think of the tone of how they handled the whole female rage thing? Because um, I thought it was a little too lighthearted. And I think there's some serious aspects to why women have to do that. And she's just like, I'm used to this. Like, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. It felt, it felt consistent with the tone of the rest of the episode where some very big deal things are just sort of like brushed aside and like, oh, hee hee, don't matter. Like, we're just going to laugh this off. But I, I don't know. I wanted, I think I, I wanted more like acknowledgement from Bruce, more like maybe more seriousness, but more, I don't know. It seemed very, very realistic in that she's like, yeah, this is, this is how it is for me. And he just it was like, I'm jealous. I don't understand um, that. That felt familiar, but um, I don't know. I I'm I also took issue to her, her saying, she said it, but at the same time, just the slightest instigation from those guys at the bar and she hulked out. It's like, that's not controlling yourself. They really hadn't done that much because that's just, that's step one when guys start harassing you. That's pretty much every day. It's not- yeah. They've, they've elevated it to a point where, okay, I can't tolerate it anymore. They start like that. And she went to, she hulked out with just the first attempt at talking to her. And my goodness, it gets so much worse. Uh-huh. We could, I, I feel like, I feel like that, that didn't hit right. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but as soon as she hulks out on the guys, it looked like Bruce came out of nowhere and just like took her out. Um, 
which I think it felt like a setup for the whole, you don't know how to control your control yourself yet. Right. Um, I felt like you were saying, you're an emotional woman. You don't know what you're doing. Exactly. Granted, how about I you, Dan? That and, oh, my bad, my bad. We didn't get Dan's opinion yet uh, on the training. On the training. Um, I think that the two actors have really good chemistry. I will say that. I think mm. there's definitely something to be said there. I quite like that... Um, that they kind of there's there's enough differences. Obviously, men and women have a lot of kind of chemical genetic differences. We can do certain things we can do better than each other, you know, but not necessarily that's not always necessarily true. But I like that there were certain things her body can do that his can't, on the certain abilities she had, uh, like her balance was incredible. And like I think he's been working for years and years to get all this kind of there's no other person, it's just her. Um, I like I like that aspect. Um there was again. I think there was some hand wavy stuff, like oh, that device was a prototype. Yeah, I can't <laughs> build it. I can't possibly build another yeah. one with all with all this super science. You've got to learn how to deal with it. I I did kind Despite of think the fact that I've already analyzed your blood mm, and use and used right. it to heal myself, taking full without advantage. your permission. Without your yep. permission as well. Um, so it, I guess there is the kind of blood transfusion aspect there, at least. Um, and he's like, oh, look at my arm. I'm great now. I'm, I'm all I can be again. And yeah, I, I don't know if that was maybe something he should have done while she was unconscious. Thanks for the blood of a woman. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there are there were some, yeah, there were some moments. I think some of it was quite fun. Um, but I think, I think Ada's right. I think maybe it could have been cut down a little bit. I think there was a lot of... The, the, they went over stuff quite a lot like oh you can't control it you got to leave i can't leave we got to do the training we got to do the meditation we got to do this i do think you could have cut those aspects down and kind of get got to the nitty-gritty um I'm, i've i've got some issues with the ending that that we'll get to i'm sure but uh but on the whole i think i think it was fine i think it it kind of again the i i, I think it's funny i think it's charming the show um and i think they do just enough of the sprinkling of quite some serious topics while not being too dark. I will I will agree with, with Tonya and Ada. I think that maybe she should have had her revenge on those guys. Cause they are pretty awful people. You know, there was they were showing themselves to be awful. I think maybe if not if she I'm not saying like tore them apart or like broke them, but maybe if she, you know, threw them in a bin or something, you know. I think she least... scared them at least. Like maybe they'll think twice before they start harassing someone because they might hulk out. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. So so yeah, for the most part, I think I enjoyed the training, but but yeah, I think it could have been whittled down a bit more. So what was the reason you brought this up, Cameron? What what did you want to say? So my main thing, I enjoyed that section a lot. The one thing that kind of became a bit prevalent in that, not only just the hand wavy stuff of like the um, spaceship and like the prototype stuff, it feels like the show kind of takes serious things and it kind of hand waved off of them. Like there's a moment where she keeps battling Hulk, battling Bruce back. And then he mentions like when everyone sees you as a monster that will never go away, which coming from Bruce Banner's Hulk is an incredibly poignant line. And it's a really sad thing because that was his life for a decade right. before the Avengers happened. And literally in less than two seconds, she just goes, I still want to leave though. And then they just, the scene 
moves away from that and it's like it I feels completely like agree with that few, that was a moment that it, they should have shared where like look, you don't understand what I went through okay you don't understand how people saw me and what I had to do to come back from that and they still see me as a monster you're absolutely right Cameron yeah and like it feels like Bruce has a couple moments like that where there's some really like serious stuff that for people who've like watched the whole of the MCU hits pretty hard like when he talks about like building that bar with Tony and like he looks down at the stuff and goes like the memories from a dark time even that moment they didn't really let it breathe that much because it's right back to shrek one burp jokes and it's like i like the tone but i feel like they need to let those more serious moments breathe because it's the same thing that you mentioned about those guys going after her like they both didn't allow it to escalate to a realistic point but they also didn't allow it to have really happen in full either because instead of her getting to hold hulk up and like daniel said like throwing him in a trash bin or something like that bruce just spears her like goldberg like 1.5 seconds after she hulks out i i can't tell if it's because of like the timing issue of it being a show and them trying just to cram a whole lot of things in but it feels like a lot of moments didn't quite get to breathe especially during that section agreed there wasn't enough space and balance to kind of the fluff and haha. I think I think you I think you're right. I think there's there's more of a parallel. Uh, what Tonya was saying, there's more of a parallel they could have made there with you know uh, Bruce being perceived how he is perceived is a monster, an emotional, uncontrolled rage, and obviously in a fem in a female perspective, people ca if you get emotional, you can be perceived as you know irrational or hysterical. Unfortunately. Um, and I think there could have been a nicer parallel there, but I think she was a little too harsh, maybe a little bit at that in that moment. Like she see they seem to have a great relationship, they're very comfortable with each other, but it did come across a bit, oh, that's a little bit mean. Like the whole dick move thing and stuff. I was like, this is this is a little bit, ugh, it's a little bit nitty-gritty kind of, you know, family problems. Again, they're they're cousins, like. You know, I, I've not gotten with my cousins sometimes, but I've you know, I've never gotten to the point where I've talked to them like that. You know, but uh, again, they are both gone through a lot, a lot of trauma and stuff. But yeah, I think there might have been there was a moment there for the two characters to connect and relate that I think they may be missed. I did like when he pushed her off the mountain just because it was a callback <laughs> to the first Avengers film when he did that to Thor. He just like push. <laughs> I also like how they're very they're very quick to show just how knowledgeable Bruce is of hulks as an idea because he does things that could come off as crazy but because he knows how much she can endure as a hulk because he knows what he can endure like shoving her off the cliff he knows that's not going to do anything to her other than just kind of be like eh, fuck you so like and even doing like the freaking crazy saw trap well <laughs> like he knows she's going to hulk out before it does anything because he's literally attempted to shoot himself and he will hulk out before the bullet leaves the chamber right so like or getting he to could show have how stopped that one knows. yeah mm -hmm. like it's showing how much more knowledgeable bruce is or smart hulk as they're calling it even though i don't know why they don't just say professor hulk i like that name better mm. That was one of my questions. Why was the smart Hulk thing just like to make a funny? Was it just like so they could play on it and riff on it? Like why? You need something to put on the toy. <laughs> yeah, new new version. Um, in in the in the comic books, there is 
a multitude of different Hulks and different uh, iterations of his personality, like the Grey Hulk. Uh, resembles his his teenage years. Bruce Banner is a very repressed individual. Um, the Green Hulk is his child is from the child abuse and childhood trauma he suffered. And in uh, and in the early early nineties, they created this integrated Hulk, or sometimes called the Professor Hulk. And so was... Smart Hulk is the most integrated. That's correct. Yeah. So there are there have there have been versions where Banner is just in control of the Hulk, which I feel like this is more that and not necessarily an integrated Hulk. Um, but another thing is that this is the Hulk technically at his weakest because he can't get to those levels of rage that the regular, you know, green savage Hulk can. So so those are the those are those elements come into play. But She-Hulk has, you know, even though she is fully intelligent, has full capacity, she's not had to integrate these, these her, him and the other guy didn't have to integrate. You know, she's not... Ha- been able to do that so she in a way can do things that he can't and do and kind of operate in a on a different wavelength or a different level so um, I, know, I know there's been some complaints going like why is she stronger than hulk Where? <laughs> i'm like i, I, I saw i saw a one minute trailer and i now know everything about this <laughs> show and i don't <laughs> like it <laughs> it's well i don't think she's stronger than the hulk no, I think she all. is smarter than the Hulk. I don't think mm-hmm. that she is stronger. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's stronger about science than Bruce Banner, mm. but she Hulk is stronger or is smarter than just Hulk, just regular Hulk. Of course. Oh, yeah. And and strength strength is relative, you know, you know, it's it's very kind of, you know, it's it's not really a decipherable thing. Like I know in these Marvel books, there's always like, oh, they can lift ten tons and they can do this, and he's stronger mm-hmm. than him. And but it doesn't, you know, whoever the writer wants to win, they will win a fight. It doesn't matter, right? Um, but uh, but which yeah, is that... evidenced by Batman's winning record? Absol- <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. He's not the strongest, uh, but he's the best. Exactly. There you go. There you go. It's not always necessarily about strength, but uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the idea that we're going for. So the professor idea, I think it was a way for the writer at the time in the comics to do a bit more comedy because he was he was more of a comedic writer. So maybe in a way it was to play on Mark Ruffalo's comedic styling. So I think Ada might be. Uh, I've I've just basically said I agree with you, Ada. Just in a very long-winded way. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate actually, the uh, history. I was actually going to say, speaking on the whole idea of like the integration of the Savage Hulk and Bruce Banner, I actually liked how in that fight, this is probably my favorite part of the entire training thing. When they actually fight, there's not only a reference to the 2008 Hulk movie where she does the clap move, but she does it in succession, where it's like multiple sonic blasts, which is how they actually subdue Hulk with the military in that movie, but there's hints of Savage Hulk coming out of Bruce during that fight. Like after she does that to him, he lets out a roar and you actually hear a mix of Mark Ruffalo's voice and a lower guttural growl coming out of it. And then like, even when they break the bar and he does that kind of like temper tantrum slam of his fists into the ground, like there's hints of Hulk coming through more than they were in both in Avengers Endgame and now like even earlier in that show so i think it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to keep that going and like the idea of possibly them separating as personalities again or if it's just going to kind of be a once in an episode thing you know you and and dan both mentioned something that triggered a memory i had from the show which is talking about the split personality thing dan you said that 
they're not going to have a split personality for her. But I appreciated that she didn't claim I don't have one. What she said is not that I'm aware. Like she's not mm. sure because mm. she doesn't have the arrogant mm-hmm. level of just claiming. I'm absolutely certain I don't. She doesn't know. So she's not claiming that she does know. Maybe that's the lawyer in her to speak exactly what you actually mean, not just make this blanket statement that you don't actually know if it's true. Or it could be foreshadowing to her actually having another personality. But I I appreciated Mm. that they didn't say, have her say, no, I don't. At the same time, it does open up. I highly doubt they'll ever go into it. But with Moon Knight having come out, maybe they will. The fact that there's been heavy hints at the idea that the idea of Hulk and Banner being separate is more a case of DID on the case of Bruce Banner than anything of a symptom of just how what happens to you when you become a Hulk. Because at least if I'm remembering correctly, Thunderbolt Ross's Red Hulk is also an integrated personality. He isn't a separate persona as Red Hulk most of the time, at least not recently if I've seen him. Hmm. So where I'm wondering if that's going to kind of show a bit more of how Bruce is different in the way that, yeah, he has two defined personalities in his head that came out with the Hulk versus the question of, okay, what's the real, what's the original way of being a Hulk? Is it her being a fully integrated personality or is it having two? Right. Did the trauma of becoming the Hulk separate his personalities into two? Yeah. Especially because Bruce Banner did go through a lot of childhood trauma, which is the actual starting point for DID happening in a person. So, Yeah, uh, his his father, Brian Banner, uh, was he basically was a nuclear physicist. Um, Here's some deep, deep lore now. And he was worried that him working at a nuclear uh, facility had caused his his own body to, uh, you know, mutate. And then when he had a son, he just believed he was a monster. And uh, I, uh, he would beat Bruce and he would beat his wife. Uh, and you see that in the Ang Lee Hulk. If you've seen that movie, there is that element of the story and the origin. Um, and then he he ends up just kind of... Is that the one with that. the Hulk dogs? The Hulk hounds? That's, yeah, that is, yeah, that is the one with the... most of that movie out Hulk of Hulk dogs! <laughs> Hulk dogs. We all uh, did. We all yeah, did. But, I actually thought those parts were actually really interesting. Less of the Hulk dogs and the, the classic Hulk stuff. I actually quite like the kind of the emotional childhood trauma stuff that was yeah, kind of going into that. And, you know, he's he's unusually smart, this child. So he thinks, I've mutated him. I've created a monster. I'm going to kill him. Uh, he kills his wife. And then years later, Bruce accidentally kills Brian as well. Um, but then actually speaking of other Hulk personalities, there is a very evil personality within bruce called the devil hulk which is just brian banner who is Hmm. a disgusting human being um and and he represents like what if the hulk was just pure malevolence and uh and i don't know maybe maybe one day we'll get to see that in the mcu perhaps one day you know fingers crossed i think that would be a really interesting story and to see i think he's an actor who could pull that off effectively oh yeah Mm, I do. I really, really do. And I'd love to see She-Hulk. How does she cope with Maybe that? she brings him back. Maybe she's the one, mm. the, the connection that can get through to him. So I did want to talk more about the special effects on this show, because I don't watch the trailers and before viewing, like, I don't watch trailers before viewing shows or movies. I watch them afterward because I think there's an art to creating a good trailer, but I don't like spoilers, so I don't watch them. 
I can't speak to this, but I am told that the CGI was unfinished in the original trailer. And I'm wondering how did, for those of you who watched that, how did it compare to what we saw on the show? Because I did not love what I saw on the show. So the one major improvement that they made was they made her bigger because while they kept her at six, seven in the trailers, she was significantly slimmer in muscle. They had her basically be more lean than actually buff, which a lot of people were immediately put off by and questioning why are you actually downsizing her from her scale from the comics? So in the show, they actually made her pretty buffed out compared to what the trailers were. That being said, there are moments where it really, really, really hits uncanny valley, specifically in that bar scene at night. When they're when talking. When she laughs and it's that side angle of her face, I like paused and went, what the hell am I looking at? Like I have a screenshot of it out of my PlayStation because it lets me screen cap on Disney+. Plus, And I, that legit spooked me for a moment. But like, <laughs> it's weird because in the daytime, especially during the training montage where like there, she has her hair up in the ponytail and they're doing the yoga and stuff, her face looks good. Or the whole CGI looks good. I feel like the way that they've done her hair to be like the comic book where it's like framing the sides of her face in several scenes, it's blocking light from hitting and it's casting a shadow on her face that makes her face not really look real in comparison to Professor Hulk, who has the full light on his face and it's allowing you to see all the imperfections on his skin and it's almost a mistake of the lighting that they chose to do as opposed to the actual CGI, because like every time her face is in full shadow, it does not look good. Did you two watch the trailers? I watched the trailer after I watched it, and I don't think it was the original trailer. Maybe okay. it was. I don't know. I... How about you, Dan? I, I did watch the trailers, uh, unlike surprise, you, Surprise, surprise. Surprise, Spoiler surprise. Dan, watch the trailer. <laughs> I watch the trailers, I'll share the trailers, I'll share them with the wrong people, and I'll ruin everyone's <laughs> enjoyment. Uh, so, yes, I did watch the trailers. I do think it, they have improved, but there is currently a bit of controversy in, in Marvel about the VFX yeah. department because they are being underpaid and overworked. So uh, a lot of things are being rushed and they're not given the time to do that. And they're currently kind of complaining about that and obviously trying to work this out. But they, a lot of VFX artists have said, I worked for Marvel. I will never work for them again. I will never go back. I'll never work for them because of the way they worked us. And that so is that, saying something. Mm, mm -hmm. So so there is that to consider as well. And Yeah, I'm and, definitely not blaming the skill set yeah. of the people who are employed they were not, to my understanding, they weren't given the time to complete the act properly, and thus they shouldn't have put out the trailer with it looking like that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do, I do agree. I do agree that I, I love the look of the hair, but I, I it like it is very comic book accurate, and I'm, I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff. But I, I think I do agree. It's the bit of me. It's the one bit that I don't think works as well. Because obviously, obviously they've gone with um, uh, Maslani's kind of original kind of curly hair as she as she is in her Jennifer Walters wavy hair, dear. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> wavy, wavy. The see, uh, hair is not my expertise because I don't. Have <laughs> well, any. curls are mine. Okay. <laughs> right. Sorry. Sorry. Apologies. Apologies. Yes. So uh, wavy mm -hmm. hair. 
Um, and obviously the the absolute opposite of that is the the She-Hulk hair. But I think, yeah, I think it does seem a bit heavy and I don't think the texture is quite right on it. I feel like it's... it's it looks maybe... like a bad wig. Her mm. hair looks, like her real hair looks great. It's beautiful on her. Mm. When she changes, her hair just looks like a bad wig. And I, I get why they might want her to look more comic book accurate, but there are really nice wigs out there. That wasn't one of them. It's also, it I think, cartoonish. it was very cartoonish. And I think like one of the worst examples of her hair being that cartoonish was in when Bruce wakes her up with the air horn mm. because she wakes up from bed abruptly and her hair is pretty much the exact same it is at any other time that it's let down. And it's just like perfectly framing. None of it's like out of place or falling into her face or anything like that. It's just kind of there. And if she just had a, a scare, hair would have flown it would have been yeah, like, like oh whoa it, you know it is In very like, like it's unfortunate movement. it's unfortunate because when you try to think about why it's that way you know why and it's not a great reason but for the sake of how it looks on the show and having to judge it based on what is out right now it looks very video gamey and how like a lot of games the only part of the hair that has any actual physics is from the ears below kind of thing yeah you are absolutely right about that and, you know, it's not like we're here to critique hair, but it's distracting from this, the story. It's distracting oh, yeah. from the show as a whole because you're not thinking about what's happening. You're thinking about their hair. You're thinking about... We don't have to think about Bruce's moving. hair. We don't? Yeah, like, it honestly feels like they must have, like, reused the model for Professor Hulk from Avengers Endgame in terms of digital because the differences between the quality of Bruce Banner's Professor Hulk and then Jen Walter's She-Hulk when they're standing next to each other it's not as glaring in some scenes, but like in the bar and like any scene where it's low light, it is a very night and day difference. It was very they, obvious to look. me and it was bothering me. It's her yeah. show. She should be the one shining and yeah. looking best here. And it's like, it looks like they spent a lot of time making him look good. And they just kind of were like, good enough for her. And it was not good enough. It is, it is a question as well. Do you think they were concerned about because obviously Bruce has still a lot of Hulk features. You know, he's got the big brow and he's got the kind of the large hands, the monstrous kind of qualities to him. Do you think they were concerned about making She-Hulk, you know, obviously she's very, you know, conventionally attractive. Do you think they were concerned about making her too monstrous or too Hulk-like? Yeah. I think I they mean, spent a lot of time thinking about her image. Like, we don't want her oh, to yeah. be too hot because then people are mm. going to be upset about that. We don't want her to be too thin. People will be upset about that. We don't want her to be too bulky because people are going to say she's not attractive. And it, you can't please everyone. I mean, at least from what was said during the time when the first trailer came out, because that was when a lot of the stuff about the VFX treatments and, like, how they're being dealt with came out was people who left or people who worked on it posting anonymously talking about what the process was like. And apparently there wasn't a lot of internal stuff telling them, hey, make her smaller, make her smaller, make her smaller. And that was what we saw in the first trailer where people were like, why is she so small? And then probably with months to go until the show came out, Marvel saw that reaction and went, make her bigger, make her bigger. Yeah. And, and everyone in the VFX crew just putting their heads in their hands like, okay, I guess. <laughs> So, like I think it's the thing where there's too many deferring like things being thrown at too once. Too many voices. She can't be too offering yeah, an can't opinion. Can't be too buff. Can't be too thin. Can't be too tall. Can't why can't she short. just be a strong woman? Like why can't she just have a strong womanly yeah. build? Yeah, like and there's a ton of 
real people like that, that you can take inspiration from in terms of <laughs> exactly. building that kind of figure. Like that's the other thing of like, it feels like the model for She-Hulk, while it looks good, it feels like it's very much a created from thin air model. And I feel like you could get a ton of like really, really pro good professional bodybuilders or even just athletes to get body scanned in. So you have an idea of how that anatomy would work. Cause that's the other thing. Some of She-Hulk's movements I feel are also a little weird looking like the boulder scene, especially when she like drops down to the boulder and like whenever she has to do like a quick movement up to down, it looks it odd. It's fake. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the issue of you mocap it with Mark Ruffalo and I, forgetting the name of the actress who plays Jen Walters, that's my bad. But when you have both these people doing the mocap, you have to then upscale it to Hulk size, which can look really weird if you don't quite know what those bodies at that scale look like. Like, I don't know, some of it just felt odd. Ada, you were... Look like Ada had something to say. Ada's yeah. Ada looks like she's pondering. yeah. She was she was shaking her head and just and this idea that we have to make women smaller and sexy. And I'm I'm so with you, Cameron. Like why why couldn't they find a built female bodybuilder and like do some do some homework that way? I mean, to that end, I I'm hearing that about everyone being overworked, so that's probably not any not like top priority. But I just just this idea of having to make make a strong, hulky woman smaller and smaller and trimmer and sexier. But I also, this discussion reminds me of one of the things that I we both found very distracting when watching the show, that she just suddenly had a perfect, like, Hulk and Jen perfectly fitting wardrobe out of thin air when she got to Mexico. Um, has... I mean, obviously it's TV, so TV magic, and it just happened. But it's like, okay, Bruce Banner's got a great tailor. <laughs> like, that sounds comic book authentic, though, don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean, like, I guess Bruce Banner found out exactly how many sizes above your body you need in order to wear something as Hulk. <laughs> uh, he's, he says, he says, spandex is your best friend. Right. I liked that moment yeah. when he was like, move somewhere with ten foot ceilings. You need two wardrobes. I thought that felt very real, if I <laughs> or like often. Um, it was like here are the here are the nitty gritty details that nobody's going to tell you except me. Right. Yeah. Honestly, the entire uh, that entire section with Bruce Banner, I love Bruce's dialogue. Both like Mark Ruffalo obviously has the most amazing natural delivery, and he's always had it since joining onto the MCU. But something about the dialogue they gave Hulk is so fun because he's just getting to finally talk about what it's like to be Hulk. And you can almost feel that kind of bit of teaching in an excited way kind of thing. Where he's kind of gone like full college professor mode where he's just like, you don't even think about getting anything with just woodline floors and just getting to actually teach someone. And and think about this as well. He's, he's not alone anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Right. And that's He's been not... such a huge part of his journey is that he is on his own. He is alone. Mm. Even when he had friends like Tony, Tony does not, he can take off the suit, you know? Mm. Well, I mean, if we go back to the Hulk 70s TV show, the theme for the show was called the Lonely Man theme. Yeah. And it really seems like they took bits of that show and put it into this episode, <laughs> like the scene at the bar, you know, it felt like that. 
Absolutely. I will say the other funny thing about what they're doing with this Hulk, I liked the very subtle dig at Avengers Age of Ultron that they did when he explained how like, oh, every time Natasha would read me a lullaby, she just, how does that work? She just never really figured that one out. Like, just kind of acknowledging for a moment that no, that entire thing makes no sense and it was never explained. But it's adorable. <laughs> it's adorable. But what? <laughs> and it's so quotable when you have a friend who needs to calm himself. It's getting real low. <laughs> like, one, of, one of my, uh, my favourite comic book moments of turning the Hulk back into Bruce Banner is one that he came up with himself. And it's basically, they send this missile at him and you're thinking, oh, this is a really dangerous like gamma bomb or something. Mm-hmm. It lands, uh, quite quite softly lands, and it opens up, and it's a puppy bomb and all loads of puppies come out. <laughs> Oh my gosh! How are we being robbed of this? I would have preferred puppy. that over. I would have preferred that over Hulk. from the comics. We want the I puppy. I would have preferred bomb. from that over Hulkbuster any day of the week. Absolutely. Uh, there's a, there's Tony another drops a puppy bomb on wherever they were in Ultron. <laughs> I, I love it. I, I know there's another one where Spider Man tells a knock knock joke, and that apparently works as yep. well. So yes. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'd be up by that one, but the puppy one, I think I can buy. I mean, if it's a really good knock-knock joke, maybe. <laughs> it is Spider-Man. I can only think here. of one really good knock-knock joke, which we're not going to share here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's so, get into the way they structured this episode. How did you guys feel about the flashback element and also the breaking of the fourth wall? I was so mad about it at the beginning. I'm not going to lie. Like, we we were what five minutes in and she like turns around and she looks and she's like I bet you're really curious I was like no 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 but then by the end I was totally on board and along for the ride so I guess that says something about the how well it worked I had a very similar reaction it was like oh I don't usually like this please don't make this a thing that gets annoying but it didn't get annoying I personally yeah, that's about the fourth wall element my, though. What, what, go ahead, Cameron. Oh, yeah. How did you feel about the fourth wall breaking? So it is something that's directly from her comics. Like I think She-Hulk was actually breaking the fourth wall before Rob Leefield had even drawn Deadpool. So like she is one of the first fourth wall breaking comic book characters. So I understand the need to put it in there. Because of that knowledge, it made it easier for me just to kind of be like, oh, there's our fourth wall break of the Yeah, episode. that's fair. But there are certain ones where I feel like it's the wrong time to do it. Like when she like looks at the camera while talking with Bruce as she opens, like he doesn't mean that. And then he looks over at her. That's the one where I was like, I don't know if having him acknowledge her talking to the fourth wall is a great idea because then it becomes the Deadpool thing of once people start acknowledging that he's talking to the fourth wall, eventually you're going to have to address this. Like if it stays in its own bubble, I think it's fine, but you know. That moment didn't bother me because he didn't actually say anything. It was left to interpretation. It was a look over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he was just, what are you doing? Not, why are you talking to the fourth wall? It didn't feel like mm. it was that level of awareness. How about That's you, fair. Dan? How did you feel about the fourth wall breaking? Again, um, it is something that was introduced in the comic books in the late 80s, early 90s by John Byrne, who again introduced her into the Fantastic Four comics. Um I know that it was uh, they they were inspired to use this uh, after watching kind of well I think they were going to do it anyway 
but I think what they've done is they they went there from what I've read they went away and watched Fleabag and took a lot of inspiration from that show mm. and and infused that in this I think I think it might tie into her powers in some way like she you know the gamma's you know, affected her brain in some way and that she can kind of break this kind of fourth wall in a funny in a funny sense. I do think they're also um, playing on those very mu- much the Ally, Mc- Ally McBeal inspiration as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know uh, sexy female lawyer, uh, to quote Futurama. Um, you know, there's there's that aspect to it. And, and Boston Legal is definitely in that DNA of the show. But I, I didn't mind it. I think it. I think it works for the most part. The one with the one with Bruce, I think he's just going, why is she talking to herself? And I think that's her first time that she does it chronologically. I think that's the first time yeah. she oh, realizes. Yeah, that makes sense. Because True. she looks, she does it and then and then realizes she's done it and then looks and then kind of like, what the hell just happened? So I, I think that was that the way she reacted. That's a like, good oh. catch. That's yeah. fair. Really good um, also, I love the way you know the names of everybody involved in all this stuff. And Cameron said he didn't even know the main actress's name. So I know her first what? name is Tatiana, but I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Is it Maslani? I want to say it's Maslani. Yeah. How did you pronounce it, Ada? Sorry. Tatiana Maslani. Oh, beautiful. Okay. That's it. Um, okay, getting back to what we think about black. the... I haven't either, but it's high on my list and it has been for a very long time. And, you know, she seems like a very good actress. I, I don't I didn't know have if any this issues is a spoiler, her. but I really like her. Um, there's a co- there's like a YouTube video of her on at Comic-Con San Diego where she's improving all of the various clones from Orphan Black just like at a table. And the, it's so it just probably like, is a spoiler. <laughs> a course in improv. It's incredible. I'll have to find it and save it for after I watch the series. But none of you mentioned how you felt about the flashback element of it, of the way the the episode Mm. was structured, where we start with the court, but then we jump into the past and then we end with the court. How did, how did you guys feel about the structure? And I'm seeing a lot of frowns. So I'm Mm. guessing you didn't love it. Again, annoyed at the beginning, but here for it by the time we got to the end. I was the opposite. <laughs> I was yeah. I was here for it in the beginning, and then right at the end, I think they kind of screwed the pooch a little bit. <laughs> Cameron, I um I kind of feel the same way. I feel like it was great, but the ending really suffered because of how much time was spent on the flashback, which goes into the final. Are we going to call it a fight scene at the end? <laughs> because that's exactly what I mean by the ending really really got messed up by the flashback and how long they spent on it because that fight scene I actually had while watching rewound to make sure I didn't like look away or miss something well it's don't just... worry it was it was terribly edited for a start yeah. it was awful it was really I'm here. badly edited what is I'm you here think? I'm Hulk I punch you <laughs> in general i hate flashbacks like i just don't enjoy them it feels like oh we started something but we're not going to move forward with the story let's pause here and go all the way to the back having said that i absolutely love the daredevil series because it felt like they had a very smart way of integrating the flashbacks into the current story that is not what happened here they 
started something. We get to see she's a lawyer. There's this big case coming up. And then it's just flat out, er, we're done with this for a while. And we are going to spend all of this time in the past with very little tension because you already know that everyone winds up just fine. And then we don't get to know who this person is that she's fighting or who is on trial or why they're on trial. And all of that is far more interesting to me than how she practices her powers. That's something that they could have given us bits and pieces along the way. It didn't need to be one big info dump. And that's what it was. If it was choppy rather than woven. Honestly, honestly, it feels like they literally could have just done the car crash, the training, and then just go into present day working. Exactly. Make it the beginning of the series so that we are invested in how she got to where she is and we don't know what is coming. We've already seen that she's fine and she knows she's the Hulk and somebody else already knows. It felt like a very um, a kind of cheap way to do a fourth wall break super early where it was like in my head, I'm like, if you were just to do that entire car crash and training sequence first and then show her in the office, you could literally have her go like, this is a law show. No one actually watches anyone go to the courthouse and then just a literal comedy fast forward into the case. But instead we, I literally don't know any of the names of the people she was with in the office in the first scene. I don't know what the trial is about on the last scene. Like I forgot that her friend was a paralegal in the last scene because I'd forgotten about the first scene by the time we got into it. I I honestly, I don't remember the, her, Uh, ending argument from the beginning I think if I knew what that was and what that was in reference to and the case then that might have meant something a bit more other than oh the man thinks he can do better you know if if we knew what it was actually about then it would have more stakes or even even if they were going in and just going oh well you've got to know this and this is what's happening and this this bit of evidence is being you know put in and they're gonna prosecute in this way blah 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 Mm -hmm. like some context for what's going on and it would have tied in better to that fabulous moment where nikki is like civic responsibility remember oh don't forget to take your shoes off i wanted to know how i wanted to know how nikki found out she's a hulk i wanted to know like how she became like hulk sidekick number one i wanted to like i wanted to know how she got that office and business cards that we just get like little little almost like easter egg sprinkle throughout the training montage that was right, we that wanted was jennifer just... origin story too like we want her lawyer yeah. origin story we don't just want well she has all of the the tools that she needs already you don't need any of that information and if they i i didn't mind the way the show began but if they were going to integrate her backstory with what's going on right now so that there's some kind of fear that she's going to screw up you know we've seen yes she has this great argument But maybe we see that she isn't as skilled at holding her temper as she claims in these flashbacks. And we see someone instigating something in the courtroom and we're worried that, oh, no, she's going to totally screw this up by hulking out in court. Then there's this element of tension where we don't know what's going to happen. But instead, it was just cool opening, info dump, and then fight between people we don't know we don't know why we don't know who any of these characters are we're not invested in anyone in that room except for her and what's so she- strange oh go ahead Dan. sorry i was gonna say that the the fight scene obviously 
with fight scenes, you have to tell a story. You need to know where the action is, where it's heading, who's doing what to who, where they are, how they get up, how they punch, how they do everything. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even see She-Hulk, really, the way it's edited. It's just, I, w- I won't spoil the name of the character or anything like that, but that Did they say the name of the character? They did not, but I, I know I know who it is and I know okay. stuff, but I won't, again, I'm not going to spoil it for you because, again, it might be different in the show from the comics. Okay. Uh, this this character was just thrown around. I, I honestly think that she should have burst through the wall and that's when the episode should have ended. Pick it up mm. in, the fo- in the following episode. Yeah, because then we have to wonder, is she going to freak out because this person burst through the wall and who is this mystery person? We can't wait to see the next episode to see what happens next. Is she a villain? Is she a hero? What's she there right. to do? Was she yeah. wronged and she's there to, you know, get revenge on the people that she's prosecuting? Absolutely. And and that's that's what I thought. It may be at the at the most, they should have just shown smash through the wall, she turns into She-Hulk. End. Just cut there. Mm. That was that was my main issue with the whole the whole episode. Because I just was like, you know, this is pretty darn good up until again, this last 30 seconds. I was just like, ah, why? It's it's so weird because it honestly feels like what a lot of like today comic book number ones feel like and i've read my fair share because i try to keep up with series so when like domino number one came out i tried to grab that just because i haven't had a chance to start a series like that and a lot of modern day comics when they do these relaunches with their number ones it's the same thing where you get a pretty okay intro and then the middle the bulk of it is nice and then it just doesn't know how to end and it felt like they had no idea how to end this episode with that scene and instead of putting it off to the next one they decided to just throw the entire battle in about five seconds and daniel you even mentioned like how you're supposed to tell a story with a fight scene i have background in like professional wrestling so they teach us the actual story format for a match which is essentially the same story format as a fight scene so that irked me a lot that fight scene where it's just i'm here okay i'm she hulk Throw a thing, I throw it on top of you. Somehow you are already standing up from underneath this very heavy desk that I've thrown on top of you, so I will punch you into the wall. Like, it felt like there's, like, at least smash. a minute and a half. Like, it feels like there was a minute and a half of that fight that got cut, because that did not make sense the way it was edited. What I just agree. happened? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if maybe that was a VFX thing, maybe. Maybe they were not quite ready for that particular scene or they didn't have enough time to do that particular scene there's definitely something that was just way off about it mm-hmm. quite literally just smash cutting smash cut smash cut smash well cut. you know there we may have been discussing how if that was the best you could do in that amount of time just cut those scenes out maybe they mm-hmm. chose to do that maybe yeah, it's, true. this is not ready for prime time we'll just edit that out and then no one's going to complain about the poor special effects in the fighting but there were still some. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It almost feels like the opposite of, you even mentioned, uh, Tanya, the Daredevil series. It felt like the exact opposite of how Daredevil treated its courtroom time in the show while it was on Netflix, where there was a lot of time and respect done, even if there was other stuff that was going on in the midst of it. They still gave the courtroom stuff the respect it deserved because at the right. core of the main character is the fact that Matt Murdock's a lawyer. 
same thing with she -Hulk. and this one's she called attorney. attorney at law i thought that there was yeah. going to be a lot more of that yeah it didn't feel like they gave nearly enough proper respect to her occupation and what she's doing as who she was before she was she hulk like that's like making a spider-man movie and deciding you're going to have about five minutes of him being a high school teenager with a dead-end job and the rest of it is just spider-man stuff it's like i like she hulk i want to know about jen walters the, right. The and how does her, her personality, her persona as a superhero conflict with her personality as this, this lawyer and this upstanding citizen and all of the responsibility she has in that world? Yeah, like it's the Stanley philosophy of the person behind the costume is the most important aspect of the person behind in this costume. I was literally yeah. about to say that, like the best Spider-Man stories are Peter Parker stories. They're not Spider-Man stories. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It. that that part of the show has to be equally as interesting as the superheroics and treated it, as importantly as well absolutely i agree we only really Everyone's... see her career undermined i'm trying to think about like the moments where we really see and we see we see this other lawyer tearing down her closing argument we see we see the like moments in training and then we see that final courtroom scene that just gets you know i didn't see him criticizing her closing argument just who says it True. Yeah, true. This, it, this would they'll take it better from, from me than they will from you. So it just felt like mm. you know the gratuitous sexism. Not, it's not really <laughs> <it>. good. <laughs> he didn't say it wasn't good. He just said they're going to take it better from me, which you know that mediocre white guy confidence that is present in everyday life. I will yeah. say to the ending though, I felt it was totally redeemed by the last moment where she like walks back into her shoes and they're playing my favorite Eve song of all time. That that did it for me. Like just, was that your okay. favorite moment? It was my favorite moment. It really was. Yeah. What about you, Cameron? What was your favorite moment? Um honestly like one of my like my favorite moment from the show like was actually just her hanging around Bruce and, like just having a real conversation but a lot of what would have been my favorite moment weren't given enough time to breathe so I can't say they are anymore like Bruce flat out like laying down the law and saying that like you don't understand what it's like to be treated as a monster for a decade of your life that would have been my favorite moment in the show had it been given any justice so like yeah that end point is probably the best moment in the show because it exemplifies the character of calming down from She-Hulk, lifting her broken sleeve up so it looks okay. Just, I'm ready to give my closing argument. <laughs> about you, Dan? Uh, my favorite moment was the post credit scene. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That, is, <laughs> that might be my favorite. That might be my favorite mid credit scene in any Marvel thing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> entirely. I love, I love that she she played him. She um, like I, I I don't know if I buy the whole alcohol drinking thing as well because they were like, oh, we can't metabolize. We can get the buzz, but we don't get you know we don't get drunk. And I'm yeah, like, you get a hangover. Really silly. But you get hungover. So I was like, hmm, how does it that? It also seemed very responsible to to just play around like that. Like if you're worried that she can't control herself, why are you just assuming that she can process the alcohol the way you do? Fair point, fair point. You no, know, I think it's a little too risky. And he seems responsible enough that he would say, okay, we're going to test this just to make sure so that you don't wind up getting drunk somewhere and killing a bunch of people accidentally. 
but uh, yeah, I I think that was my favorite bit because I think it was like the actors were having a lot of fun with that and that whole question whether Captain America was still a virgin and stuff and you know and it's what fans have said as well. I I like when Marvel takes like you know memes or tweets and stuff yeah. about about their universe and they go you know what put it in the show make it canon you know <laughs> oh, let's yeah. make let's make let make the little boy that uh tony stark saves in iron man 2 peter parker you know why not it's not gonna hurt anybody it's not gonna change anything dramatically it's not gonna create any big plot holes uh but i i quite like that she was like yes i know it i found out i got you i lawyered you i got it out of you got the truth and then she's like captain america fool <laughs> and they cut yeah. it just just before it becomes a a swear word <laughs> a curse so and we are a project <laughs> we're about <laughs> out of time so i want to know does anyone have any final thoughts or predictions on where you think the series will take us i have a hope i hope we get more lawyering and more more gen story and more, yeah, I would be more very disappointed soundtrack. if we don't spend more time in that courtroom. Don't call it attorney at law, then don't give us that kind of storyline. I... Overall, go on. Oh, I was going to say, overall, like, I'm not going to say much about the characters that are going to appear in the show because you haven't watched the trailers, Tanya. So you don't have like that frame of them just throwing the surprises in your face like they always do with trailers. Yeah. But with the characters that are going to be in the show, I'm hoping that we get to see some hints of the consequences of a lot of the stuff we saw in the MCU, whether it be the way early stuff from like the Ed Norton 2008 film, just like things that are kind of consequential about the world, because that's something that's been kind of missing from the MCU since Endgame happened is there has been a lot of consequences. That's fair. How about you, Dan? Uh, I really... I really like the C, D, E, F list characters. So like the loser characters, the Oh, the, the bores. <laughs> yeah. The, the secret the the cult favorites. As as you know, as as is my podcast, I like those kind of characters, you know. Yeah, I've re read a lot of Spider-Man and Batman and stuff. But yeah, give me like a I don't know, give me give me a random, you know, C list villain. Give me the give me the wrecking crew or someone like that. Like give me some like absolutely bizarre give me plant man or uh you know uh <laughs> he says you know, this while his moniker is Spider Dan, not yeah, he's you know, like yeah i mean he's Ed, fine Ned dan <laughs> um, <Not> alfred dan <laughs> alfred dan but yeah you know, I, I i you know i i enjoy that and i'll always will and i'll enjoy all the the main kind of you know uh the top tier characters the a-list characters or i mean even iron man was a d-list character before the film came out really like his book still sold but he it, it didn't attain any heights yeah, that's of robert downey jr power right there there you mm-hmm. go but uh, I hope we get to see kind of some really weird and wacky and fun and humorous takes on on these characters. And, you know, maybe there's a, you know, there's a court case involving like Mandrill using his power over over women and he's getting sued for that <laughs> on stuff. And, you know, like things like that or, you know, you know, not maybe not as creepy and weird as that, but some some sort of fun version. Yeah, look where your head goes. I know, right? <laughs> uh I mean, he's a, he's a villain. He is a villain. It's always uh, the nice guys. <laughs> he, I mean, he is a literal baboon. He looks like a he's a mutant who looks like a baboon as well. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll get off the uh, the 
these really weird and wacky oh no characters. please continue <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe next week i'll come up with a, a list of weird and wacky uh weird and wacky marvel characters which i hope will appear in the show in some <laughs> yes, sort of, please in some sort of courtroom or court case and and i'll come up with some sort of case that will be against them as well maybe i'll bring my own my own uh court briefs to the court <laughs> yes <laughs> complete with manila folders and a whiteboard absolutely yes. absolutely ada and it needs to be animated in this marvel style mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh boy i'm not quite that good all right you have one week to get that good oh god <laughs> make it a montage now you know what it's like to be a marvel vfx person exactly. uh, i don't want to know that i don't want to know the pain <laughs> So Ada, tell everyone how the audience can support you and find you and what you have going on right now. Um, you can find me at aamccartney.com. You can find me at aa underscore McCartney on Twitter and Instagram, um, where you can buy my recent books, um, check out the various things that are happening with the Wisdom Body Collective and myself, and... Um, that is all. Thank you. And Thank you for Aaron, having me. Of course. Well, I am actually starting on my Twitch channel, which I've had dormant forever, which is just Cam Tricasi, C-A-M-T-R-I-C-A-S-E, where I'm just going to be kind of playing games that I like, The Devil May Cries, The God of Wars of the World. And then you can follow me on my Twitter, which is just at Cameron Tricasi. Same with my Instagram. And uh, yeah. What else do you have going on? Because you mentioned that you are an actor, but also you're mm. a wrestler. How can people support you in those areas? Well, well, at least in terms of acting right now, I'm going to be posting, since we've gone through our film festival circuit, a Dungeons and Dragons themed short film that I made with uh, Paul Campanella and a couple of the people from my class that we're in. So that'll be getting posted on my YouTube channel. Shockingly, it's youtube.com slash Jakasi. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, is good. I have, yeah, and then I just I'm writing right now, so the other projects that'll be able to be supported will be coming down the line, hopefully sooner than later. Very cool, Spider Dan. Yes, um, you can find me as always at Spider Dan and the Secret So that's B O R E S. Um, all the links and various things are there. Go check it out. I've just released a podcast with Angry Andy Reviews about Goodfellas, so you can check that out, and various other weird and wacky topics. Tonya's been on the show, and most of the people from the Comics in Motion Network who have so kindly allowed us this platform to talk about She-Hulk. So, uh, yes, so be sure to smash the subscribe button. Love that. And I am Tanya Todd. You can find me across social media at Ms. Tanya Todd. My website is MsTanyaTodd.com. Follow my newsletter there. And you can find both me and Cameron at IMDb. Check us out, see our projects. And until next week, enjoy all of your She-Hulk examinations. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make Dan do the ending for this show because Rhea was always so good at doing it for Ms. Marvel. Case dismissed. There we are. I love it. (laughs) Thank you, guys. All right. Play It's Not Easy Being Green.